asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are breaking down business and investing with the fellas from Earn Your Leisure. Yeah, Earn Your Leisure is a podcast that's hosted by Rashad Bilal and Troy Millings. And uh, on their show, they, they talk with guests who are earning and investing their money in all the different ways, <laughs> ways that a lot of folks probably don't even know exist. Uh, Rashad and Troy give a behind-the-scenes look into different industries, and they highlight what makes those industries tick, as well as what makes their guests successful. They like to say that Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. So we're looking forward to uh, a blending of the two together today as we dive into personal finance and business. Fellas, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for yeah, having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate man. it. Dude, it's about time. We've had some listeners reach out and they're like, you got to get them on. We're like, all right, we'll do it. Yes, that sounds great. So <laughs> excited to have you guys with us. Yeah, a passionate you fan base. That, thank you to everybody that suggested it. Yeah. <laughs> dude, oh, seriously, you guys do have a, fa a passionate fan base. But yeah, we, we got to say that the first question we ask anybody that comes on the show, Matt and I, we're super into craft beer. We found out before we started recording, you guys are not into beer, uh, which is totally fine. We can still be friends. But, uh, but it is the thing that we splurge on in the here and now while we're trying to intentionally save and invest for the future what is that for you guys do you have a splurge or a craft beer equivalent uh i would say sneakers for me i'm a big sneakerhead. um nice. so before even before when i was uh teaching i always had a sneaker budget i used to teach phys ed <laughs> and so i knew i had to have fresh sneakers or the kids wouldn't respect me so how many pairs of sneakers <laughs> do you have troy 
Um, I cap it at a hundred. If I get to a hundred, I start I start giving pairs away. Oh, okay, <laughs> that yeah. is a lot yeah. of shoes. Holy yeah, crap! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta have a special closet, right? Like, do you have a shoe I, closet? I actually have a, a shoe room. Yeah, I have a shoe yes. room. Yes. <laughs> It's color coordinated, stacked nicely. There you go, dude. Man. I would. You got to send me a send us a picture of that. I would love <laughs> yeah, to see post that. Your yeah. shoe room. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Rashad, what about you? I, I, I don't really do too much um, splurging on anything these days, but um, traveling is probably my the thing I enjoy most in life. So um, that's probably like ninety percent of my budget that's splurgeable <laughs> goes towards <laughs> traveling. But other than that. I don't really have any any habits or anything that I really splurge on too much. Hey, that's responsible. That means you're. <laughs> that means you're investing that money, right? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Pouring it back yeah. into the business. Yeah. Well, you know. So speaking of the business, right? We're talking about your show, Earn Your Leisure. Where did the uh, the name of, uh, of of your show come from? You know, basically, like, what's your what's your origin story? Like, how did y'all get started? Yeah. So uh, Rashad was 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 doing his uh, own social media page, and uh, it was growing pretty fast. He was doing you know, the behind the scenes stories of business in a very unique way. And uh, one day we were working out and he was like, I, I, I want to create this little campaign, but I need a hashtag. And so he uh, told Mike, our other partner, you know, we got to come up with a hashtag. And I was like, okay, I spent a day and I thought, ooh, earn your leisure. And um, I just thought it would be fitting because people think that we, we, we come from a well-diverse community where there's nothing but wealth. And we never had to work hard and we, we were kind of silver spoon kids. And I'm like, they never saw us working two jobs, going to school mm-hmm. at night, uh, not having money, you know, having conversations about how we're going to be successful, you know, really questioning like where are we going with our lives. And um, to that point, it was like everything we had gotten, we had earned. And so it was like, yeah, we've earned the, the luxury to have the things that we've had. We were known in our, in our town for having nice parties, nice cars. Uh, you know, occasional beautiful women around. <laughs> and so people just thought that that came naturally. But, we, you know, we had worked hard for all those things. And so it was like, earn your leisure. That I think that would be fitting for a hashtag. And so he kind of used it. And um, he stopped using it for a little bit because he just kind of felt like it wasn't that great. And uh, one of our, our good friends, Spanx, was like, I, I really like that. You should just keep using it. And so when it was time for us to come up with a podcast, we were thinking of a name. And uh, we both had different names for it, and uh, we kind of—I'm kind of glad we didn't use it. We probably would have got sued by a Puff for the name. <laughs> <laughs> and so we ready, you know, Earn Your Leisure was our hashtag, and so you know, we, we just kind of said, "All right, let's use that. We own that. We're the only people using it. That's going to be our name." Man, I feel like it, there's so much in a name, right? Like people—people people gravitate towards something that like has a story behind it and earn your leisure has a has a story behind it like it has a message right that like work hard so you can so you can like have fun and play at the same time i feel like that ha- that says something right then there's a lot in that name in those three words yeah yeah definitely um it, it started to mean something different to every person that heard it and everybody i mean everybody the, the, the common theme was like i love the name because you have to work for freedoms and financial freedom is one of those things mm. that can change the trajectory of your life and your family's life and so it was so fitting and the, the definitions people were coming with it was so profound i'm like oh we got something that's going to stick because it means something different to every person that hears it but everybody wants it right everybody mm. wants to earn their freedom or their leisure and so we were like, yeah, we got one. This is it. <laughs> yeah, you find something sticky, you stick with it. So, I mean, so, did, you know, did you two start talking about, you know, personal finances? You're, you know, you're talking about money, you're talking about business here. Is that how the show got started? Basically, you're looking for a way to just share that information with, with other folks. How did the actual podcast come about? Yeah, the podcast came about from just my Instagram page of, you know, growing that 
my own personal brand as a financial advisor. I wanted to kind of, you know, be known in the world of social media as a financial expert, financial advisor on Instagram. And I would go on other people's shows, other any show that would invite me, public access show, radio show, anything. And I would just take myself and then chop up clips and put it on Instagram. And then from there, people thought that uh, those clips was actually from my podcast. So they were asking like, you know, where can I see this full episode? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, this isn't actually my show. This is somebody else's show. So people kept saying like, well, you need to have your own show. You should have your own podcast. Um, and then from there, you know, the momentum just, just, just kept building and those clips really started to go like viral online. Thought it would be a good idea to actually start our own show. Yeah. So Troy, you know, I speak to him every day. So when I was coming up with this show, I asked him if he wanted to be my partner for the show because um, I felt like, you know, most podcasts have co-hosts, two people, as opposed to just one person. So um, I thought it would be a good idea to, to have him as my co-host for the show. So he said, yeah, and uh, that's how it actually got started. So that's actually how it got started. We didn't really start the podcast, but the, you know, the brand, it was really meant to just keep growing my own personal thing that I was doing. And the traction that I was getting on going other people's off of other people's shows, um, we figured we could just do our own show. And then uh, two years later, we're here now. There you go. Well, I, I like love it. that you guys are best friends too, man. Like I think literally you know, Matt and I are best <laughs> friends, but this is the first best friend combo we've had as guests on the show, which I don't know how. Uh, it's it's fitting though. I love that, that you guys are the first best friends we've had. Cheers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say too, like, man, I was I was uh, scrolling through some of your YouTube videos and just uh, a lot of times when you look at the comments on YouTube videos, it's like a cesspool of negativity. But man, like everybody, the responses and stuff from, from your viewers were so positive. And there was one that really caught my eye someone said uh seeing so many successful people of color has changed my outlook thanks eyl and it it sure seems like you guys are filling a void in the financial space is that how you see yourselves is that what you see yourselves doing as basically like taking advice to a group of folks that usually are underserved yeah absolutely definitely you know the message of financial literacy and business uh was kind of I don't want to say it was left out, but, you know, for a long period of time, it wasn't delivered to our community for sure in a way that they can understand it and from messengers that they that they related to. So a lot of people, millions of people were left out of business conversations, were left out of financial literacy conversations because it wasn't delivered. Uh, in a way that they can understand it and it wasn't delivered from people that they can understand. So us coming um, in, I feel like we definitely filled that gap and brung millions of people in all over the world that, you know, were left out of that conversation or just felt uncomfortable taking part in the conversation because they didn't understand it and they felt like, you know, it might have been over their head or they might have felt it was too boring for them or too complicated for them. So, you know, we try to make things as easy to understand as possible. We use a lot of um, cultural references and try to, you know, as you said at the beginning of the show, we mix, um, it's a business course mixed with pop culture. So all of that just kind of blends for an interesting dynamic. And it's not just, you know, black people, not just Spanish people, it's for anybody all over the world. But of course, you know, us being African-American um, men, that's the language that we speak. So it's easy for us to, you know, talk and, and relate to the people because these are the same people that we grew up with, the same people that we went to high school with, the same people that, you know, we see mm-hmm. in a barbershop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are the conversations that we're having on Earn Your Leisure and we're bringing people on on Earn Your Leisure that, you know, may have been looked over. Um, entrepreneurs, 
that are doing great things that are killing the game, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks, whether it's, you know, trucking, you name it. And um, mm-hmm. these are young, majority young African-American entrepreneurs that have been looked over by mainstream media that nobody has recognized. And we, we give them a platform to not only be celebrated, but more importantly, to educate. So now they're actually educating. So not only are they getting a message from us, but they're getting a message from the guests that we bring on and the guests that we bring on, um, they can relate to as well. So it's very encouraging for a lot of people to actually see the diversity in business and see the diversity in, um, in education. I think that it's something that has lacked for a long period of time, especially in the business world. I love it. Yeah. And, and Rashad, you know, you mentioned this too, but you're a financial advisor, Troy, you're a yeah. teacher. Yes, <laughs> Did sir. you guys see that as a combo, you know, like a perfect fit, the two of you coming together like that? Yeah, it actually, st- we started um, in a summer program that I was running. Uh, you know, I, obviously, when you're a teacher, you got summers off, but I always use the summer to find a way to teach kids in, in a different format. I was teaching health and phys ed during the, the school year, and um, I taught like a financial literacy program in the summer. Well, a summer internship program, but financial literacy was a component. And so when I started it, he was just starting his financial advising career. And so I told him, you know, one of the components of the program is I want you to come talk to the kids about money. At the time, you know, they would intern for six weeks, and at the end of it, I was going to pay them like five hundred dollars. And so it was the first; they fourteen years old, so it was the first time they were coming in contact with money. Nice. So I wanted them to have a relation, understand the relationship of money, how to use it. I think mean, I think one of the first lessons we taught them was how to save, how to spend, and how to share, which is a valuable lesson for adults and children. Mm. But they got the concept. And so we, we turned that into something very special, right? So they got the financial literacy and then they got to see real world application. They would come in, we'd interview them, see what they wanted to be in the future. And then expo- it, we'd expose them to careers that they never thought were possible, right? A kid comes and tells me he wants to be a pediatrician. We'll take him to a, a doctor's office and let them see what that's like. If they wanted to be an architect, we take them to you know a, a, place, a, a firm that has architect and they get to be with that person for six weeks. And it was so valuable that, um, People were like, we need more of this. We need more of this. And um, it kind of gravitated to turning it into the podcast. Really, if we look at it, we we were showing kids what careers they can do. And now we're showing adults and kids uh, all the different types of careers and ways they can make money as entrepreneurs and businessmen and women. Dude, that's awesome. And yeah, what are some of like the biggest obstacles maybe when you're trying to talk about money with young folks, with 14-year-olds? Like um, that, that can be, you know, Matt and I bemoan the lack of personal finance education in high schools growing up, right? I think there's six states maybe that require a personal finance class. And so, you know, you get out there into adulthood and oftentimes most people learn through a bunch of bad beats. So mm-hmm. reaching kids young uh, at a young age is so important. But what are some of the biggest challenges when you are trying to reach young people to teach them about personal finance? Yeah, I think the biggest challenges is that it's not required during the 10 months of school. Yeah. Um, and so knowing that I, I wanted to treat the six weeks in the summer that I had them like the 10 months that they missed. And so we, we made no secret. We would tell them like, hey, we make this much money or we, we have this much money. And the first thing that kids respect is when, what they can see. And so if they see it and you show them how they can do it and what it means to invest in stocks and how you can make money they gravitate toward it because nobody's told them this before, right? Like you can make money right now. We can show you how to make money in the stock market. We can show you what taxes are. Like nobody was talking to them like this. And so when they started to hear money language, it was like, oh, this is what I need. They they, they started thinking like, why, why am I learning about trigonometry? No disrespect to any trigonometry <laughs> teacher, but you know, they, a lot of them were like, where am I gonna ever use this? And it's tough as a teacher to say, hey, you, you will one day knowing that, you know, 
You probably won't. Probably not. Right. 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 I, <laughs> I have not won't. used trigonometry <laughs> since high school, personally. So. You know what I mean? And so when we, we talk to them about things that related to their everyday life, sales tax, state tax, income tax, again, teaching them how a uh, stock market works, it was like, oh, this is this is what I really need. And so they were they were eating it up. They were eating it up. And every year they wanted to come back. And that was the only thing that, about the program. After they left, you know, the goal was to get them a job by the time they were 15. And 100 percent of the kids always got a job. And so they still wanted a piece of the program. And so our thing was like, how do we scale this this need right now? These kids want this. How do we scale it? And so we found a way uh, through annual leisure. Obviously, you talk about money all the time, just like Joel and I. We don't see it as being weird at all. <laughs> I mean, we're talking to people about money, about what they're doing with their money. We're talking to our friends about it, and they're kind of sometimes they're like, "Hey, man, back off," you know. <laughs> but uh, like, do you see talking about money and, and finance being perceived as a bad thing in, in social spheres that you guys are involved with? No, I don't think talking about money is a bad thing. I think that. Uh, you know, for a long time, it's like kind of been taboo. Yeah. Even like a lot of, um, right. you know, yeah, yeah. In, in like working class or middle class or poor households, like it'd be like, never ask your parents how much money they make, never ask them about bills, anything like that. But it's like, that's to me, that's the really the wrong way to go about it. Because if you, if your kids aren't aware of money, if you're not teaching your kids about money, then they're going to be ignorant about money and they're going to make a lot of mistakes. So that's kind of a backwards way of thinking that uh, I think we're, we're moving away from. Um, but for us, it's never been an issue to talk about money, but yeah, definitely, you know, I think that more so, um, is like an environmental thing growing up families, households, things of that nature where money wasn't talked about or money was off the limits as far as, you know, never ask parents about any finances at all. That's not a child's place, but in my opinion, it actually is a child's place because if the parents aren't educating them, then who is going to educate them? Yeah. Yep, yeah. and Matt and I, we've got a bunch of youngsters uh, of our own. Matt's got four, I've got three, and um, we're trying to teach them stuff that we didn't learn about growing up because, you know, at least in, in my house, money was not talked about, and in, and in fact, it was something that, that led to a lot of... It, it, it was actually more of a source of difficulty and never a place to learn from the difficulties that we encountered, and it just became a topic that we swept under the rug, which led to a lot more, you know, <laughs> odd ways of me viewing money and had to correct those over the years as I became an adult. Um, but guys, we, we've got more to get to with, with you. We, we want to talk specifically about investing in your personal approach to money. We'll get to some questions on that right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. 
rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, we are back. We're talking with Rashad and Troy. Fellas, let's kind of dive into investing here. You know, it, it, it sure seems like you guys have learned a lot about all sorts of different investing strategies, uh, you know, just from hosting uh, your podcast or in your leisure. But uh, what are some of the coolest things that you've learned from the different guests who you have had on the show? Um, yeah, we learned a lot from a variety of different guests. Um, one of the things that, you know, really got my attention is we had uh, MG the Mortgage Guy, shout out to him, and uh, he's a... Uh, a loan officer, and he has an interesting strategy as far as real estate uh, with four three two one strategy, where most people, you know, they start off their real estate journey with a single family home, and they spend all of their money, and they really can't afford their home, and they, you know, kind of like living that American dream where mm-hmm. you got you over leveraged and dead, and you you got a nice house, but you kind of like underwater and just barely making mortgage payments and. That really is a trap for the next 30 years. Yeah. Uh, but what he explained is, you know, never do that. Start with a multifamily, ideally a four family uh, unit if you can, if not three family um, and work your way down. So start with a multifamily in, you know, a decent neighborhood, but not the best neighborhood. And, um, you know, work your way down 
talked about a lot of different things, how you can refinance and, you know, after year FHA refinance, get a new FHA loan and kind of work your way down from four family to a three family to a two family. So by the time you actually do get the one family home, it's the dream home that you really want and the one that you really can afford. And now you have all of those other units that's actually paying for the mortgage of the new home. So you're not actually paying for it. You have other homes that you've accumulated throughout the years that's actually paying for it. So that was something that, you know, it's just a very simple thing. It's not extremely complicated, but I never heard anybody break it down like that. And when he explained it to me, it made so much sense because being a financial advisor, I see it all the time. People buy homes and they can't afford it. They have to cash out their 401k, take a loan mm-hmm. from their 401k, deplete their savings. And they're doing every single thing possible just to get the home. And it's like, okay, you know, you have a home now, but you really can't afford to have that home. So <laughs> your house you know, poor now. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So to me, that was one of the most powerful things that um, I, I took away from a guest. Um, yeah, that's killer. I, I love that. Yeah, I had... There, there was two. Uh, shout out to our brother, Wall Street Trapper and Ian Dunlap. And they were talking about the power invested in indexes and ETFs. And yeah. uh, he, they, they used the analogy of a basketball team. I thought it was really a really profound way to look at it. When you think of a basketball team, there's always a star player, right? And so you could invest in a star player like LeBron James, which would be equivalent to Apple. Or you can invest in an ETF like XLK that has Apple inside of it at a smaller allocation. Um, but you're now getting the Western Conference All-Star teams. And so mm-hmm. that that when he said that, I was like, "Ooh, that's that's a nice way to put it, right?" Because in the XLK, yep. you, you got a bunch of companies, and so now you have Anthony Davis, and you got Steph Curry, <laughs> and you got all these guys that if even if LeBron gets pulls his groin, uh, hopefully he doesn't this year. But if he pulls his <laughs> groin, <laughs> you know, you still got a you, you still got a great chance of winning the game. And so when he, when they said that investment strategy, I was like, "Ooh, I, I like that. That that's yeah. a, that's a nice way to teach people." Yeah, man. I love that. And I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but has there ever been any advice on the show that like somebody was on, a guest was on and you were like, oh, I'm not sure, so sure I agree with that. Uh, maybe, or maybe that's not my favorite piece of advice. Was, did anybody say something that just didn't sit right with you or, or that just didn't resonate with you? And, and you don't have to name their name. <laughs> yeah. No, well, the thing, the thing, the good thing about the show is that we bring people on and everybody has a different point of view and a different perspective. So not that I, I actually didn't fully disagree with what he said, but it was very controversial when Grant Cardone came on. And he said pretty much a lot of things that nobody else had ever said when they came on on your leisure, whereas don't buy a home. Um, debt is good. And a bunch of other stuff. And like I said, I mean, in the context, I don't think that he was wrong for saying that. But a lot of people kind of either they loved what he said or they kind of, you know, it kind of shocked them and they they disagreed with what he said. But I feel like that's that's what platforms should be. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not us like just dictating exactly what is right from our personal opinion. We bring different people along with different points of views. And then it's up to the people to make educated decisions for themselves. So that was something that was recent that um, comes to mind. Because like I said, that was kind of like a left field for us, for what we usually talk about. He doesn't invest in stocks. I don't agree with that. But um, yeah, he pretty much was was like (laughs) left from most of the things that we usually talk about. Um, But it was interesting to make for an interesting conversation for sure. Yeah, I, I always preface it by saying the thoughts and beliefs of our guests are solely you know, <laughs> no, the COA like, in there. <laughs> like what Shai says, man, it's a platform and people get to express their thoughts and their opinions. And so I'm not necessarily here to agree or disagree. I'm, I, I like to dive deeper into their thought process. So how did you come up with that? 
Like how, what made you get to that point of that thought process? And so that's always interesting because now you dive deeper into, a, 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 like you said, it, it makes for a better conversation because you're diving deeper into that thought process and you get to, even if you didn't agree with it, you got to see somebody else's perspective and why they came up with it. And so that's enjoyable too. Well, that's, that's one of the most interesting things about personal finance too, right? Is that there's all these different roads that you can take. There's different ways to generate wealth. And you, you guys cover a ton of those ways on, on your show. But that's what's fascinating too. I mean, I feel like real estate people in particular, like somebody like Grant Cardone comes on the show and it's like, he's got a completely different perspective because he's kind of gone all in on this one facet of wealth building. And, you know, Matt, Matt and I prefer to put our eggs in a few different baskets and, and try to build wealth in a few different ways, building a business, investing in stocks, investing in real estate but man some of those real estate people get hardcore yeah. they're, all, they're all into that leverage for yeah. sure yeah. yeah and leverage can can work for you yeah. brilliantly it can also work against you too, yeah it just depends on the the situation that you are in yourself and Troy, I, yeah, I like what you said too about understanding the thought process. I, I, I mean, that's that's how a teacher thinks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's um, I'm sure that that shows too, as uh, especially as you're teaching kids. But uh, guys, let's let's talk about your personal approach to money. You know, um, y'all are all about growing your money. It can it can be even harder to spend and enjoy your money. I think while you're hyper focused on growing your net worth. So, how do you guys maintain uh, any type of balance in your life? Um. Balance financial balance because he doesn't have any balance, yeah. I guess, right? That's usually the answer. That's usually the answer. When they ask about balance, Charlie always says, I don't, I don't have any balance. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but there's, uh, yeah, sometimes there's a balance between being hyper focused on, you know, just trying to grow your net worth as much as possible, but then others are out there living life, spending left and right. And if you do either one of those, you're probably not going to end up, you know, at the end of the day feeling satisfied. So, so how, how do you guys personally feel satisfied at the end of the day between? you know what it is that you're investing and saving and what it is that you are kind of living living life spending money on yeah um i think right now is a good balance as far as that financially it's enough income fortunately coming in right now where we can still um you know live a pretty comfortable life um you know we talked to you before we're in miami almost every other week at this point we do a lot of traveling and you know we we live a diff a, a decent life so that's that's good um, we don't have to sacrifice that. There's enough money to still save and still invest. Um, but as far as balance um, in other areas of life, then, yeah, you know, that's that's where you just got to work on. It's something that I'm still working on as far as, you know, running a business. And um, it's something that's a 24-hour job. It's not like a nine-to-five job. There's no really off time. So yeah. there's always something to do or you always think about something to do or there's always, you know, different things that you, you, you're looking at to improve or so that can definitely take away from your personal life as far as that, your personal life balance. Um, and I think most entrepreneurs, probably most successful entrepreneurs don't have a, um, you know, work life balance that most people feel comfortable with. But that's why most people aren't successful entrepreneurs. So I feel like, you know, on a certain level, you, it, life is about sacrifice. So, you know, it, is something that you have to sacrifice if you're going to really, you know, be at the top of your game. You're going to have to be able to sacrifice some level of your personal life. I think there's just no way around it. And I guess it's just a matter of just having, you know, a support system, whether that's your family, your friends, your children, your, your wife, your husband, whatever, um, that can understand that and be supportive of that. Um, because I don't necessarily know if it's possible to have a completely balanced life as a full-time entrepreneur. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when you're building a business, it's 
it's like constantly humming in the back of your head sometimes, like the things that, that you want to do, the things you want to accomplish, or you just get a random light bulb idea in the shower. And then you got like, you're just like ruminating on it for, for hours. <laughs> like, um, even sometimes when you're not actually working, like it, it is there in the background. And, and sometimes it's just, especially when you're doing something you love, it's because you're excited about it. So I, I totally understand that Rashad. Rashad, I want to ask you something else. I want to ask you about investing. Um, what's your take on like buy and hold investing versus making short term bets in your opinion is there room for people to take like a both and approach um i think sometimes you know matt and i were partial to the to the buy hold strategy but you know some people are wanting to get into investing and they kind of want to see how something performs for a year or two like yeah what's your take on long term versus short term yeah, I mean, I think long term is the easiest, the safest and the, probably the most efficient way to do it, especially if you're not experienced or if you don't have a lot of time to dedicate. But it's not the only way for sure. You can make money, you know, short term as far as, you know, as short as day trading or swing trading or, you know, leap options. So I personally, I don't day trade. I don't swing trade. But, you know, we do do options. So that's not really long term probably the longest that we'll do a player option is two years, maybe three years if the, if the option chain is really has extended for that period of time. But once again, I feel like long-term is definitely something that should be the cornerstone of, of your investment portfolio. So if you want to diversify, in my opinion, if you want to have, let's say, 50% of your portfolio in long-term, 25% in options, 25%, you know, in short term crypto a bunch of other you know asset classes i I don't think there's anything wrong with that but even in crypto our long-term holds are now paying off because Mm -hmm. you know crypto is going back up again so all of the coins that we have from 2017 which you know it was looking very bleak a couple years ago. <laughs> Good for you guys. Yeah. Looking like a write-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> they're, all, they're all coming back up now. So long-term is definitely the key to wealth, the easiest way and the most efficient way. And I think the beginning point for anybody to start with. But, um, you know, you definitely can, can play more shorter positions, but you just have to be uh, extremely knowledgeable and not, uh, take too much risk and not over leverage yourself because obviously the shorter the positions, the the more volatile and the more risk that's involved. Yeah. And be careful with those margins when you're doing them short term plays. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you guys right about now too are, yeah, you're, you're feeling pretty good about that crypto. I bet you're, you're probably feeling pretty good about your Ethereum right now after a shot of, <laughs> a shot yeah. of recently. Troy, so like you said too, I've, we've heard you say that uh, how you like to treat every dollar like a worker. Uh, mm-hmm. which really stood out. I, I just kind of like the philosophy behind that. But can you just explain that a little bit? Can I talk about that mindset? Yeah, I mean, it, it goes. It comes down to having a savings account, right? We, we've had savings account. We've been taught for so long, especially for my parents, save your money in the bank, save your money in the bank. And um, if anybody knows money, you know that the, the bank doesn't, you don't really appreciate when it sits in the bank, right? And so we had to work hard for our money, so we might as well have our money work hard for us. And so I like to just allocate a certain amount of money to invest every single month, all right? So like if, if I made a, let's say I made $10,000, I might say 60% of that is going to my investment, right? 40% goes to, uh, 20% goes to savings for my children in a custodial account, and 20% might go to uh, my wife and any house expenses. And so we allocate percentages like that um, because we can't have money just sitting. Like it's cool to have a certain amount of savings, but after a certain point, it's like the bank's going to use that money anyway. Like we had, we ran into that situation like last weekend 
when we needed capital, we have to give the bank, the bank an advance notice. And it's like, this doesn't even make sense. They're going to be, they're using it for their advantage. We got to use it for ours. So every dollar that we make, we have to treat it like a worker and it has to go out and make some more. We got to get more workers. There you go. Get more workers, put them to work and so, you know, just keep amassing, right? I like yeah, that. We're, we're equal opportunity employers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all, right. all money is welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all money welcome here. Uh, all right. Well, we got uh, just a few more questions to get to with you guys, in- including we want to talk about business. You actually talked about like interviewing someone who had like a successful trucking business. Um, we'd love to talk more about that and just other business ventures. We'll get into some of those questions right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the Money App 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we are back. We're talking with Rashad and Troy, the fellas behind Earn Your Leisure. And uh, and guys, on your show every week, you're talking with an entrepreneur, right, who, who seems to be essentially paving their own path. Oftentimes, you know, it's in the, the sports, it's in the entertainment industries. Are you seeing any career trends that look to be like consistently working out for, for your guests or, or actually even for your listeners who you might hear from? Well, we've actually been uh, dedicating most of our time the last six months or so in stocks. So um, a lot of people have like, it's been a windfall of people that's interested in stocks. Oh yeah, that's, some, that's something that um, you know most people are interested in. But as far as something that has been working for the business owners, I would say systems. The, the the business owners that we that we have seen that are the most successful that have come on our platform. The one common theme that they have um, in common is that they all have extremely efficient systems in place that uh, doesn't require require them to actually physically be there. And um, they all have very strong staff um, that they've incorporated. So, you know, I think that's something that, you know, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we try to do every single thing ourselves. And you can only go so far um, if you are running a one man show and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, reinvesting in your business and, you know, taking that money to invest in other people is probably the best investment that you can actually make because now that actually allows you to not only free up time, but to scale the business at a much quicker rate than you would if you, you know, still trying to do everything with one person. So those are something that we learned. And even from our personal journey, you know, the more, um, the bigger that we get, the more we bring on as far as employees, workers, helpers, and it helps a lot. Not like I said, not only from just a mental standpoint, not having to do everything yourself, but as you have more time freed up, you can focus on things that are most important to generate revenue, to bring more revenue in. And you don't have to worry about, you know, the low hanging fruit, um, things that can just bog down your attention and your time. And another thing that, that a lot of the, the guests who come on, um, who are thriving in business, the characteristic that they have is that they're, they're consistent. Like they're always trying to grow, they're always trying to promote themselves, they're always trying to get better, and they're fearless, right? Like they, they've they've come through trials and tribulations, they've made mistakes, and they kind of look forward to it so they can get them out the way. And what they do with the mistakes is that they tell everybody that they made them, and that you can learn from these so you can become better. And that's something that's really encouraging, right? Like they're making the mistakes so that we don't have to, and we don't see that too often. And it's a generational shift now that that a lot of people who've come on our platform are doing it because it saves a lot of time and money for the people who are listening and the people Mm -hmm. who are trying to execute on the information. So those are are another two things that we see in a lot of the successful people that have come on. 
uh, Rashad, one of the things you said was that you've been talking more about stocks over the last six months. I saw the stat that apparently more money has flowed in the stock market in the past five months than over the past, uh, prior 12 years. It's just this like fascinating thing where, yeah, everyone's kind of obsessed with the stock market right now. Do, do you think there's any downside to that? Like, is, is there maybe um, too much interest when it comes to investing? Are, are some of the people who are kind of you know, newly getting into thinking about the stock market, do, do you feel like there's you know, room for some of them to get taken advantage of um, based on kind of the way things are right now? Yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, going back to our conversation about short term situations, a lot of time, a lot of people are getting hurt with um, short term option plays or day trading or, you know, investing in crypto without actually knowing what they're actually doing. So definitely, definitely. I think that, you know, it's important before you do anything to be fully educated and understand what you're doing. And, um, you know, it's not Vegas. It's not the, the slot machine. But right investing can be synonymous with gambling if you come in with a gambler's mentality. So definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, there's unfortunate stories even with Robin Hood, young man that, that you know, committed suicide off of that, off of that um, option trade. It was actually a mistake, but he thought that he was down like $750,000. And so, yeah, there, there's been a lot of unfortunate stories. A lot of people have lost money. And um, I guess that's just part of it, unfortunately. But definitely it's encouraging to see so many people that, are interested in it and coming in the space. But like all things, there's always, you know, negative sides of it. So I guess that would be the one negative side is that, you know, some people are um, going a little bit, you know, ahead of themselves, jumping into things that they um, aren't fully knowledgeable of and um, yet hurting themselves financially. I like that both of y'all focused on things that anybody can implement. I was kind of hoping that you'd say something like, all right, being an agent, like that's the new thing <laughs> as far as a, a career or, or an industry. But I like that y'all focused on things here that regardless of whether you, you know, are a wage earner, you know, whether you work for somebody else or if you're looking to start your own thing, these are, are things that you can do. Uh, there's processes that we can set up in our own lives when it comes to our personal finances as well. You know, speaking of like business, like I consider myself an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> I feel like that I'm fairly risk tolerant, but you know, listening to uh, a few of your guests on your show, like it makes me realize that I'm actually pretty conservative <laughs> with my <laughs> ventures. And so, like, what advice do you have for folks who are out there? They've got an idea, uh, they're thinking about starting their own business, but they kind of need, I don't know, like they like they need a, like a little push out the door, a little kick in the butt. Like, what advice would you give those folks uh, when it comes to setting out on their own? If you can find a mentor, that's always great because, you know, a mentor will stop you from making a bunch of mistakes that um, you would make on your own if, you, if you're just trying to figure it out. So even if you have to pay for a mentorship, um, that's something that I think most people should consider. If not, um, well, even if you do, but definitely if not, uh, research, research, research and get as much information as you possibly can. There's so much information on pretty much anything that you want to learn now online, um, Google, YouTube, uh, books, etc. So, you know, really, really become an expert in your area, not just, okay, I like food, so I'm going to open a restaurant. Like, you have to understand what, you know, food costs. You have to understand, you know, hours of operation, the, the labor laws in your state, and, you know, electricity and all of these different peak hours that people come to restaurants and what days you should be closed, what days you should be open. All of these things are 
you know, something that most people don't think about. And one of the reasons why most businesses fail because people just open a business because they have a passion for something or they want to do something. But, you know, the passion is only a small part of actually running a business. Mm-hmm. The more important part is actually understanding the numbers and understanding the business model behind it. So these are things that, like I said, I mean, you can educate yourself or you can get educated by somebody else that has already made the mistakes. Um, but either way, education is extremely important and, um, probably the first step that anybody should take before going out and starting a business. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, I, I would say don't wait for a perfect time. A lot of times we get caught up in saying, I have to have this, I have to have that before I can start. The first thing is like what Rashad, said, getting started, man, jump up the porch, right? You'll learn as you go. The mistakes are going to happen, but that's part of the process. And that's part of the journey, right? That's the beautiful part of it is that you're going to learn. And as you learn, you grow. And another thing I, I would, I would add is the, Network across, right? You may not have the, the best uh, personnel when you start, but if you look across and you might find somebody that you know that can do some of the skills that you need, and that way you don't have to hire somebody at an expensive rate. There's people around you that, that are great, and so use those resources while you have them. Uh, this conversation kind of makes me think. Actually, uh, I heard I heard one of you guys talk about, uh, or, or both of you maybe in an interview, talk about the Atlanta Water Boys, and that's kind of this thing. You know, Matt and I, we live in Atlanta. And that was kind of this big big deal there for a few months, and, and it still kind of is in in the news on occasion. Um, I feel like it, it basically it was these these young fellas who were were selling water at some of the the you know places where people would get off the interstate, um, and they were getting demonized in the press, and, and I felt like these guys, these kids actually had some gumption, but really they just needed some direction. But like, in your opinion, like how do we reach kids like that who have this entrepreneurial spirit, who have this desire to kind of start their own business, but they lack the means to really like funnel it properly? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, on a starts on a ground level as far as, once again, education and, you know, letting them know that, you know, it's good that they have the entrepreneurial spirit, um, but they just need a little bit more, you know, season. And um, they just need a little bit more, you know, coaching and different ways to, you know, fine tune the 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 spirit that they have as far as entrepreneurship. So mentorship, once again, that goes back to mentorship. So, you know, mentorship works in two ways. Um, you know, it's good to seek a mentor. But I feel like if you if you have some level of knowledge, then it's always good to become a mentor as well, because that's especially for young people. That's really the best way to learn. I think. This is the best way to learn, period. But like I said, young people, especially, and the problem is that most people don't have mentors, um, especially, you know, young men. Um, they don't have mentors. So right. these are programs that I think actually should even be implemented on a school level um, where, you know, you have a successful, you know, business leader in the community. And um, maybe that could even be part of a school budget if they don't have enough you know, time to do it for free, where they can come in and actually teach entrepreneurship classes and give people that are interested in going down that path some guidance. Um, but, you know, a lot of times we complain about what's going on. But, you know, the best way to solve a problem is to be part of the solution. Yeah. So, you know, instead of, you know, just complaining about it, maybe if you're in the area. Um, maybe you can start a mentorship program or maybe you can, um, you know, encourage the school to change something. And this is this goes for any any place in America or any place all over the world, um, especially, like I said, when you see young people as you know, it's like we can complain about them being a problem. But if we're not giving them solutions, then we are really the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, I think he's one thousand percent right. I, I haven't. I mean, the way they've been portrayed is it's, it's kind of puzzling right like these young men are trying to get money um 
have they got a negative connotation? Yes. But how many people have stopped their cars, got out their cars and told them, listen, there's a program that I want you to come to at this place. Right. Have we provided resources for these young men to actually get the education? Right. Right. I challenge people to to uh, do that before they criticize them, because if you don't, then they'll be out there for the next two or three years. We need to come up with a place where they can go, where they can learn the education or somebody can provide them with the education to use some of those skills that they have. Right. If you ever stopped and talked to these these young men, man, they they are clever with their speech. <laughs> they have the gift of gab. And so we need to use some of those skills and maybe just fine tune them and, and put them in a different medium. Yeah, man. Channel those skills. It feels like um, you know, I got criticized or, or I got bad grades sometimes, bad marks for talking a lot when I was a kid in school. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Look at me now. And, and like, look at me now, podcast host, right? Like, And I, I was talking to my mom about that the other day and she was like, man, like some of the teachers, the way they would talk about, you know, like I, I understand I was probably a little bit of a nuisance, but at the same time, like there's, there's, there's like those are, are things that can be channeled into something good. And I feel like the same thing's happening with like the Atlanta water boys. Like there is an entrepreneurial spirit there is this desire to to make money through a a way that is um right now like it's looked down upon but i feel like there's you know you you get that spark exists and it needs to be you know someone needs to use it and harness it yeah Yeah, and 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 help help these kids grow that entrepreneurial uh, love and spirit and drive as opposed to like squashing it and telling them to like stop doing what they're doing you know yeah we got i mean i've been on both sides of that coin it's interesting like i was the kid that the teachers would talk about (laughs) right and and so i used i remember arguing with with my teacher i'm like how can you take 10 points off my final grade because i talk like i went from a 90 to an 80 because i talk too much but i'm doing good in class right right and then to hear teachers talk about students in the same manner and what it came down to is that the reason that they had these issues because they need to see people that look like them and that that they can resonate with and that they can look up to right and they can keep them engaged and so if you have all those things they'll be ready and willing to learn and i think we can do that we can do that. And it's not just Atlanta Water Boys. It's any young young man or young, young woman who, who, who lacks guidance and lacks resources. We have to find ways to keep them engaged. Um, and financial literacy is definitely one of those ways because everybody at the end of the day wants to make money. They just don't know how and they don't have the tools or the people around them to teach them how to do it. Troy, I like that you've done that uh, yourself as a teacher. You know, you even kind of go back to the beginning of the episode here. We talked about you guys are both doing that, that now. That internship podcast. as well. And yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's mm-hmm. a, a huge part of what we love about what we do as well. I mean, we're talking about money. We're talking about something that everybody out there needs to hear. And if we can present it in a way that is able to point folks in the right direction. I mean, that's that's good stuff right there. So, man, we fellas, we appreciate the, the conversation and, and y'all taking the time to, to talk with us. Where can uh, folks hear the podcast? Where can folks learn more about you? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having us. Uh, but uh, Earn Your Leisure across all platforms, YouTube, um, Apple, Spotify, iHeart. Um, you can listen to the podcast on all audio outlets. You can watch it on Earn Your Leisure. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Earn Your Leisure across all platforms. And um, shout out to the, to the good folks at iHeart mm-hmm. for, for linking us with you guys. And um, keep up the great work on your end. Yeah, we are definitely fans of what you guys have going on. So it's an honor for us to be able to be on your platform. Yeah, and big shout out to all of our family over at the Black Effect Podcast Network. All the, all the podcasts that are over there. Shout out to everybody and all the team over there. Awesome, dude. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're on the same network. Um, it's an honor <laughs> to get to, to chat with you guys and, and hang out for a little bit. So seriously, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. I appreciate no you guys. Thank you. 
All right, dude. What a great conversation we just had here with Troy and Rashad, the fellows behind Earn Your Leisure. Uh, fantastic conversation just about personal finances. You know, their upbringing, like the, their history with money, but just kind of the things that they're doing now as well with, with money and specifically on their show. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, man, it's time to get to our big takeaways from the show. What's something that stood out to you? Yeah, there was a lot there. There's a, a lot that I could pick from. Uh, but I will say, I think the, the thing that stuck out to me the most was when Troy said the messenger matters. And man, I, I think that's so true. I think uh, that was one of the reasons we started How to Money was there were a ton of personal finance podcasts out there. But and it's not like we were way smarter than everyone else. And we're like, we're going to kill them with knowledge and be like, <laughs> by far the best one. It, it was like, no, our voices matter in this space. And I think Troy and Rashad's voices matter so much in in this space too. And so I think I think they're right. I mean, I think different people can reach different folks based on their experiences, based on their personality, based on their approach. And so, yeah, I, I love that they started Earn Your Leisure and, and they've gained quite a following for a reason. And it's because their voices, their message, uh, the messengers matter. And so, I don't know, man, Like that wasn't necessarily some golden personal finance nugget uh, that I took away from that conversation, although there were some in there. But that, to me, was was one of the things that, that I walked away from that conversation being like, yeah, and I'm glad their voices are are a part of of the broader personal finance conversation now. That's so true, dude. Yeah. So the my big takeaway was actually it was kind of a golden nugget. <laughs> <laughs> it was when we were asking about like what are some lessons, some investing advice or techniques or ways of thinking about things that they have learned from their guests, right? Because as you know, as hosts, that's something that we're constantly doing uh, when we do interview folks. We're learning from them, and they mentioned that one of their guests talked about the four three two one method. Yeah. And so when it comes to real estate. You know, try to start with a, a quadplex, right? Try to start with a four-unit house. If you can't do a four, look to a three, and you know, kind of work your way down. But essentially, the reason that you know one is kind of at the end of the list here is that you're reversing the order that most typical Americans approach real estate. They're typically thinking about the things that they want for themselves first. Okay, this is going to be for my family, my house. Let's look at that single family home. That's the one. And instead, basically by flipping that and turning it upside down, they're putting investing first. And so it's a reprioritization of where your money should go. So focus less on consumption because folks will say that, oh, my, my house is an investment, right? It's not quite the investment that, uh, <laughs> that investing, <laughs> yeah, that, that investing in the stock market or investing in a rental property, uh, in particular, a, a, you know, a triplex or a quadplex that that would be able to bring to you. And so, at the core of that message, at the core of four three two one, is reprioritizing your money and making sure that you're investing first, and then after that, you will be able to more easily accomplish some of the more lifestyle goals that you might have for yourself personally. I agreed, man. I was thinking house hacking when they were talking about that. That's a yeah. term you know, we've talked about on the show quite a bit, but I've never heard it put quite like that either. And I love that as a house hacking strategy, the 4321. Over time, you'll finally accomplish the goal of being able to live in a single family home that you love. It's just going to take a little time, but by the time you get there, you're going to be set. easily be able to afford yes, it, which, exactly. is, which is nice. It feels nice as opposed to you know barely being able to pay that mortgage like the, like the guys talked about. All right, Matt, let's talk about the beer that we had on this episode. This one was called Changes, and the, uh, the kind folks at 8th State Brewing gave us these pilsners to partake in. Uh, what were your thoughts on this beer, man? 
Yeah, thanks to 8th State. We're actually looking forward to drinking another one of theirs on our Wednesday show. But yeah, this one poured a nice, golden, beautiful, Pilsner-like color. Uh, and, you know, they're emphasizing a couple hops here. I don't, like, S-A-A-Z. I don't even know how you say that. Says <laughs> and, and Tetanang hops. Don't ask me. The, yeah, I, I, I know I butchered it, but they've got those here on the label. And I would say this is a hoppier Pilsner. I, I feel like it almost has kind of like a clove-like spice-like flavor to it. it like, it almost kind of reminds me, almost like a bell Belgian beer uh, to a certain extent, but it was really tasty, really enjoyable. Sometimes Pilsners come across as just really clean and like very minimalist, you know, like like you picture like what you see on Instagram when it comes to minimalism. I feel like that's what a lot of the newer Pilsners are doing, but this one is like a nice robust uh, Pilsner that's got some nice flavors going on. Yeah, I really it, enjoyed it. It really is packing some flavor yeah. in a Pilsner, which I agree is, is not something that you see super often. You know, we had one the other day that was a very clean, sterile kind of Pilsner, but I'm really liking that style now. But, but also like, yeah, Pilsner with kind of that hop edge going on at the same time kind of gives you the best of both worlds, I think, between a Pilsner and like a Session IP more of that hop flavor but still with that like pilsner profile that that makes it easy to it's drink and pilsner profile going on yeah, yeah. pilsner vibe <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and especially yeah during these warmer months like it's nice to drink a pilsner oh, yeah. it feels very thirst quenching even though I'm pretty sure beer doesn't technically quench your thirst oh it does oh does it oh yeah, yeah. okay it's wet <laughs> that's what works all right we'll go with that then yeah so all right man this has been a great episode listeners can find our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com we'll make sure to uh, link to earn your leisure to uh, make it a little easier for you guys to find them if if you're interested. No doubt. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.